Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I learned a long time ago that hallelujah was highest praise. Amen. Praise God. I always, I always want to have a hallelujah. I praise the Lord in my mind and my thoughts and coming out of my mouth. I want to give God the glory all the time. Amen. I'm so glad that we do that here in church. We do that here in our lives. We give God all the praise. Amen. Aren't you glad that you're able to give God all the praise? I have a saying that I say quite a lot. You know how we, there's a lot of people that say amen, praise the Lord, how are you doing, blessed, all that. Mine is uh, God deserves nothing less than our very best. Praise. Amen. I, I believe that. Whatever that may, may be, amen. It might not be that way. My praise might not be the same as your praise. Amen. But I could still say hallelujah and give God the glory. He deserves our best. Amen. My, my suit jacket might not be better than, than yours, but I want to give God my best. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Before I get into trouble, I'm going to have you greet each other. <laughs> Amen. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you shake someone's hand, welcome them to uh, Apostolic Praise Tabernacle. It's good to be in here uh, in the house this morning. One, one of the things I try to do, and I'm one of those absolute kind of guys that I don't believe there's really any, it's hard to be an absolute, but I always try to ask God to open my mind and my understanding before a message. And I usually don't say that here. I don't think I've said it many times. But if you're like me this morning, if you would just ask God to open your mind and your understanding to God's word. Because my, the title of my message is, Is God in Control? And, and uh, is his will being done in our lives? And uh, I want that today in my life. I want it tomorrow morning when I wake up. I wanted it yesterday when I woke up. I want it to be there when I begin my prayer, when I end the night in prayer, when I want God's will to be in my life. And I want God to be in control. No matter what I am doing, I want him to have control where he wants to have control over Amen. In my, my, my body, my soul, my spirit, my mouth, my attitude, my personality. I want God to come through. Matthew 6, 9, and 10, familiar uh, scripture. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom to come. Thy will, everybody said thy will, be done in earth as it is in heaven. Ephesians 5, we're going to jump around a couple scriptures here, a few. 5, uh, 15 and 17, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, 
redeeming the time because the days are evil. Amen. The, the days, it, it's, it's getting closer, folks. It's getting closer. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, <clears throat> but understanding. God opened my understanding, as I mentioned, what the will of the Lord is. Is God, God's will in your life? Is God in control? Hebrews 10, 36. For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, there's the will again, that ye might receive the promise. My, my saying this morning to you, my phrase is, don't let your will stand in God's way. Don't let your attitude get in God's way. Don't let my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. Luke 137, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And when I when I read that uh, scripture, I wanted to insert that into my message. And if anybody, uh, I, you know, I always tell them myself, it's one of our, uh, one of our daily readings this week. One of the daily readings that I do was that verse. And I remember teaching a message uh, that about nothing is impossible. The only thing God basically can't do is nothing. He can't do nothing. There's, so he can do everything. There's nothing he can't do. So he just can't do nothing. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Why does God want you to let him have control of, of, instead of letting you do it on your own? And sometimes we just don't understand this. Even though we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, even though we sincerely want to submit to God's will, there are times when we face situations, when you have faced situations, and when you possibly might face situ situations uh, in our lives that instead of running towards God, we start running away as fast as we can. And that might not be physically e either. I know you're imagining me just taking off and running. Uh, that I'm talking mentally and spiritually. Sometimes we turn... Away, we sometimes we want our will to be done instead of God's. Maybe we argue with God about why He doesn't do something in a certain way or according to our timetable. We've heard about that many times. Uh, maybe we are so wrapped up in ourselves we can't see what God is trying to do in our lives. Sometimes there's a there's that saying you can't see the forest through the trees. Amen. I believe that's a physical, earthly, humanistic. Uh, trait, I believe it's also a spiritual trait as well. God doesn't seem to be answering my prayers, so why should I pray about the next situation? I'm bringing, I'm just bringing some things that came uh, flooding to my mind. Maybe we start question: Why do we, we, our loved ones, continue to have severe health issues? And I, I wanted to say that before I said this next thing, uh, uh, before, before we started, so I get your full attention that we need to continue to pray for those that are sick. Sister Bruce, I talked to Brother Bruce this morning. We need to continue to pray for her. Uh, Brother Roger just had some surgery. Uh, Sister Caroline had some surgery, and Sister Pearl talked to her yesterday for a while. And we need to pray for our, the people. And I, I believe God's will. God said pray for those, right? He prayed for those. These, these that are called believers, you will pray for the sick, right? We have the Holy Ghost that are born of the water and the spirit. We can pray for those. Remember that. Pray for my, my daughter. I was just telling Brother Bruce, too, that she just had some jaw surgery, and it was bothering her, and she, she went and got that corrected. Um, my friend Matthew, 
um, who is uh, who is sick. We need to pray for him. And I'm gonna br- I brought his name up because we're gonna bring his name up a little bit later. And so sometimes we get frustrated. God, why didn't you heal my mom? Why didn't you heal my my bishop's wife? Why didn't you sister? Why didn't you? I mean, immediately, you know, God's working and all that. Or we could get frustrated, but we have to understand that God sometimes says, "Just wait a little bit." Doesn't mean we stop praying. It doesn't mean I stop praying at my house for my kids to move back to Florida. It doesn't mean my wife stopped in her in her prayer time with her prayer shawl and her and her blanket and her pillow and on the floor crying to God. Doesn't mean she stopped that. And that and that God has answered that prayer and they're back. We will still not stop praying for their souls and their salvation. But we could get frustrated. God, how come you haven't done that? Why do wicked people prosper? Why did God save that new person that just came into church when I've been praying for my husband for years? Or my wife? Why can't I find a better job? Why doesn't God bring me Mr. or Mrs. Wright? Why don't my coworkers understand me? Why are people attacking me or speaking ill of me? There are all sorts of issues that can cause us to debate with God. And when we begin debating with God, we close our understanding, we close up our mind, and our will becomes prominent in that relationship. What we want to do. There are all sorts of issues that can cause us to do this. So what ends up happening? It goes back to that verse. Nothing. We start doing nothing. And God has a hard time doing nothing. I could even go to say, and you guys can throw stuff at me, God might not be able to work with nothing because it's your will. If there was nothing there, he's created a man and woman out of nothing. He created the earth when it was without form out of nothing. But one thing God gives us is a will. And that's why we struggle. Nothing to do with God. It's why we struggle sometimes is because of our flesh. This causes us to miss God's will and his blessing. Matthew 5, 13 says, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savior, wherewith shall it be salted? It is uh, thenceforth good for nothing. Matthew 21, 19. And when he saw a fig tree, remember this? He came to it. This is a little Sunday school lesson. But it only had leaves and said unto it, let no fruit grow on the henceforth forever, and presently the fig tree withered away. Doing nothing will stop God's will in our lives. But it's time to pray, but we do nothing. It's time to witness, we do nothing. Hey, we're having church tonight, nothing. Doing nothing stands in God's way. Amen. If you make, and and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to sound a little... uh, Honor here, but if you look around, we have half or if not more than half of the people in this service than we will in our praise service. And it's not because we're having a special one today, but our normal service. Why is that? I don't know. Because it's their will. It's the people that aren't here's will to do nothing or to do something. I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying there are circumstances where they can't, I understand that. But what I'm saying is there is a big difference of letting God have control in your life. I said a while ago, when the doors are open, what do we do? I'm so glad I'm surrounded by faithful people. I love everyone. I do. 
I, I love everyone. I, I love them. I love everybody. I'm so glad I'm surrounded by people that want to be in church. The, and I, 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 I want the, peop the people that are in the next service, I'm so glad they want to be in church. I had to throw that in just to be ornery. If you make up your mind that you're only along for the ride or a spectator, then you prevent God to move in your life. You need to break that mold in your life that's holding you back from the things of God. Proverbs 13.4, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent, diligent shall be made fat. Today's the day to change all that. James 4.10 tells us to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what? And he shall lift you up. I love that verse. It was one of the first, first guitar songs that I learned from a church in Hawaii where I was growing up was humble thyself in the sight of, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Have you ever thought that the issue might be you? What? Me? Trying, trying to do it our way, we'll do the same thing. Trying to do life without God has the same effect as doing nothing. We need to sit back and take time and take some time in prayer and ask the question, is it my will or your will, God? Am I doing it my way or am I doing it your way? And this is where the rubber meets the road because we have to understand that it's your walk with God, not mine. Yours is not mine. Mine is mine. My walk with God. I, I cannot, I can tell you the principles in the Bible, the wrongs and the right, the, the plan of salvation, we're going to get to that in a minute. I can tell you those things, but I can't make you come to this service or the next. It's your walk. Why aren't things going right for me? Why haven't I obtained that spiritual goal? Why did the same things keep coming up and hindering me to get to that next level? Why can I not overcome my fear of witnessing or breaking out of my bubble? If we do not let his will be done, we might end up sitting down and pouting how hard life is. All of us most likely have had an experience in our lives where we either did nothing or tried it our own way. We either, either failed miserably or it just didn't seem right. And then we allowed God to come into the situation and to make it right. How many has been there? I have. Many times, oh, God, I'm going to do it this way. I believe this is the way it's going to happen. This is the way it's going to do. And God is going, you, you haven't turned around and asked me yet. And then we say, after he comes in, sweeps in like a knight in shining armor that he is, and he's like, he does it all right. And we turn around like, why didn't I just do that in the first place? It's called repentance and, and, and getting down and saying, okay, God, I understand. I understand. It's such a great feeling to allow God to direct us. And in doing so, it will become contagious. Contagious. I always want to bring outreach in there, Brother Andy, into, into a message, right? We always want to let everybody know that what we have is for them too. Others will see God in your life. They might not know it's God, but they, they will want what you have. And I know this might sound unnecessary to say, but you don't have to be in church service to allow God to work in your life. And if God is only moving in this church service, then you need to allow God's will out these, in your life outside these doors. 
Amen. God's will in our life should be 24-7. We need to be on fire 24-7 at work, at home, wherever we are. If not, then our will will start to creep in and replace God's. None of us are immune. Are immune. Putting God's will first is an absolute. There's that word absolute, must. There's one of the absolutes. God wants his will in your lives. Church, God does not want you or your will to be in charge. He wants his will to be done. I know I've said a lot uh, about that, and it's not going to stop. So God wants his will in your life. The world is, the world is all about self-promoting. It shouldn't be our. Our will is self-promoting. Because this is elementary, and we've heard it many times, is that you start on yourself you start pushing God away. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look, look what this has done. Look how many times I've done this or I've done this. Look where I've been. Look where I'm at. I, it's, it's okay to give testimonies, and, but give God the glory because his will, you allowed his will in your life to do these wonderful things. Our Christian walk reflects God, right? It also reflects our church. It's not, what, it's not that we don't have a will. It's that our will needs to be in sync with God's will. And we do that with the Holy Ghost and with a humble spirit. He will lift you up, the Bible says we read earlier. And with prayer, of course, we, we need to pray, God, your will be done. Your will be done. I'm talking about our Christian walk and life we live to serve God. I, I, I don't think God is too concerned about the color of your drapes at home. If we're more concerned, if God loves our, the color of our drapes, we're missing a point. Okay? The will I'm talking about is our relationship with God, his spirit, our walk, our witness, our talk, the Holy Ghost, our attitudes, our Christian faith. That's what I'm talking about. I know sometimes we make our minds up that we're in this by ourselves and no one understands our situation. I know I have done that several times in my walk with God. You know what? Maybe I'm, it's just me. I, I'm the only one going through this. You'd be surprised how many others have such, so much in common with you. And don't be a lone ranger. I, I have said this many times. You don't be a lone ranger. In fact, I, in, in my Dropbox, Brother Bruce, I have where I put stuff so I can save it to my iPad. I have a message or I ha I, just a, a, a page, a book, whatever you want to call it. Why do I need to go to church? And I want to I produce that and put that out there for people that think they can fly solo in the kingdom of God. I'm watching the TV evangelist today. I'm just all, that's all I need. I'm give to God. That's all I need to do. I'm, I don't need, I don't, God's in my, God's everywhere, why can't, I mean, you've heard it. I mean, seriously, people say that. God is everywhere, he's in my living room. He, you don't think he's bigger here than he is at church? You don't think he's the same? And, and, and are we, are we going to allow our will to get in the way? And when we talk to them, are we going to allow God to work through us and say, wait a second. But, but, I, but I, I, I want to tell people, don't be, what, what do you call those guys under the bridge? Troll. Don't be a spiritual troll. Get out. 
fellowship. Get the Holy Ghost right next to somebody getting the Holy Ghost. Jump with them, shout with them, pray with them. Go out to eat with them. You need to come together with believers in God's presence. It's not God's intent for somebody to be alone. Wherever that may be here at church. Now, I know sometimes we have to crawl away and get by ourselves and pray, but we're not going to stay there for six months. And, and our wife, our husband has to feed you under the door. <laughs> Anybody, just call me and I'll come over. We'll help you get out of that closet. You, you know, I know that's, uh, I'm joking, but there are some people that, that have done that, become hermits. Jesus, God Almighty, that created the universe, surrounded himself with people. His disciples, he taught them, he prepared them. The disciples saw how to live, what he did and what he said, and they learned from him. Jesus had disciples because he wanted to make, them, to make more disciples. He led them so they could follow his example to teach and lead others. One of the, uh, one of the and, and you won't do that unless we're surrounded by mentors and, and leaders and, 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 and saints and wonderful men and women of God. It's, it's hard. We, we want to, to, to live on. How many stories have I ever, I've heard is like where somebody sees my wife or they see, say, Sister Taylor or they see a, a lady, Sister Ashley. And I've heard stories, maybe not specifically those, but I've heard stories. I, I want what she has. There's a glory. There might, it might be something to do with her hair, right? There's a glory. The Holy Ghost, a presence, a shine on there. It, there's, a, there's, a, there's a presence, and, and you hear that because God's will, God is contagious. The Holy Ghost is contagious. All right, here we go. We better go. Um, one of the greatest leadership lessons I've ever learned is that good leaders surround themselves with people. I didn't say perfect people, with people. And they, those that will succeed and will make the mission and the goals attainable for their projects, for their ministry. Most of the time it means surrounding yourself with individuals who know more than you and do more than you do or have the skills that you do not have. Amen. Pastor, we can't win the city without others. He's been teaching that uh, to us. We can't, we can't win this city without reaching out, without help from us. It's been a message that I have heard in this church. I've been here 14 years almost, I guess 14 years, and that's the message that I have heard. We need each other. We need to be witnesses. We need to support each other. We, can't, we want to be available when called upon to be a witness or go pray for someone to help after a hurricane, as we did. We want to be able to allow God to use us whenever and wherever. I got a, uh, I got a chance to talk to one of my, my best friends, Matt, from high school Friday afternoon. He started talking. He was, we, we haven't talked in about a month um, besides text. And he started talking about how he and his wife have been listening to a TV online evangelist from Louisiana. Now, listen, Matt and I go way back, uh, 1982, um, in, in high school in Hawaii, he started bringing me to a Calvary Chapel church, and, uh, and he taught, he, him and his brother taught me to surf, and um, when Renee and I, uh, after we got married, a year later, I, I got out of the Navy, we went to Hawaii, and I brought Matthew to a, a UPC church. 
Matthew was not baptized in the name of Jesus. But when we, pray, we turned around and prayed for him, he fell out on there. So he has felt and experienced God. And, and of course, back then we didn't have Facebook. He joined the army. He got married. He moved. I didn't know where he was until he ended up in Georgia. Then I connected with him again uh, several years back. He came down uh, for a weekend and, and whatnot, and we reconnected a year ago again. But he started talking about this TV evangelist, and while on the phone, I'm Googling who this TV evangelist is. And then I, I see who he is, and I realize that, yeah, he doesn't share the same thing I believe. But I'm listening to Matt. I could have tried to stop right there and shut down my friend and told him, that is baloney, what you're listening to. But that would have been bad. And I said, why not let God take control of this situation instead of what I feel? Let God. And so we never want our witness to be a brick wall that refuses to let someone express their beliefs or their views about God. My God's bigger than what they can tell me. I'm not going to get spooky, spooky stuff all over me or anything like that if I am full of the Holy Ghost and doing God's will. And so my brain is spinning. I'm praying inside while he's talking to me, and I've said, wait, just hang on a little bit. Matthew decided he, wanted, he asked me some questions about some scriptures. Matthew, why don't you read them to me? Okay. He started reading the scriptures to me. Were they ones I would go to? No. Uh, no, nothing at all. You know, people that are out there in the world, they're more worried of if animals are going to make it to heaven than there are about their souls. Debating on what's going to happen when the bees come at the end of the world than what's happening to their soul now. And, and this is the kind of stuff he was bringing up at first. So I listened, and then God opened the door. And after Matt was done reading, I asked him to read me some. And I had him turn, and uh, before long he was reading Acts my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures, Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. Matthew, remember when you were in Hawaii and God poured out his spirit and you didn't even know what to do with it? Remember that? Then, then Acts 2. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, 120. Then Acts 2.37, then 2.38, and Acts 2.39. We know those scriptures. And, and he, why are you reading? Why, why was he reading this? I wanted him to read. I didn't want him. I wanted him to understand this. I wanted his focus to be, and I'll tell you why about that in a minute. And I began to tell him about John 3. You must be born again. He's talking about water and, and baptism. Luke 24, Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, Acts 16, because he talked about being baptized. And I said, he goes, he had talked about John's. He had brought up John's baptism. So why don't we go to um, Acts, uh, I'm sorry, 19. Um, about where Paul rebaptized them. We spoke about tongues and being rebaptized. You see, he and I were baptized back in high school at this church with an offering plate full of water and poured over our heads in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I asked him if I could rebaptize him the next time I saw him, and he said yes. And so I'm believing that. I'm believing that God had him call. I was able to tell him I've been waiting 38 years to talk to you about this. We've talked to before, we've talked about Jesus, but it was never a right situation. You see, about a year or so ago, he was diagnosed with throat cancer after talking to Renee and I. 
And we said we would pray for him. We asked him to seek some help, and he didn't. He decided to do it on his own. And three months later, he called me. He couldn't talk hardly. And he had to go, that about a week after that, he had to go into the emergency room and get an emergency tracheotomy. And, and then they started the cancer treatments and, and all that. And so he's been kind of down and out, and that's why we haven't talked in a little bit. But he video faced, he FaceTimed me video on the computer Friday, and I saw him, and it hurt my heart to see him in that condition. But he was right, in the right mood and attitude for me to talk to him about the Holy Ghost and about God. And I said, God, I, I, why? But you're in control. You're, you're in control of this situation. Why now? Why this? Him and his wife were down in our in our living room about six months prior to him calling and telling us he had cancer and we we talked to them and sang and talked about God and ministered and stuff as well too as much as you know we we could and so I'm praying for Matthew that his battle with throat cancer has a good result it uh he did get a pet scan not too long ago and some of it came back so he has to go back and he's having the reactions and he had to you know the cancer on his hair and he had to shave his head because it was just so bad, uh, uh, the way the reactions all. And, and you, if any of you have gone through that, you understand, or if you know of anybody, and I, and I know Renee has been an oncology nurse for a long time, so she has also been a minister to her, him and his wife as well. All the time I was praying in this conversation, take control. God, take control, not my will, yours. Psalm 86, 11 says, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Untie my heart to fear thy name. When God's way doesn't make sense to you, do not embrace this world's ideas, but choose the divine will of God. Amen. When your best friend gets cancer, are you going to be there for them? Are you going to interject when, hey, wait a second, who are you listening to? Well, okay. All right, what do you feel about that? All right, well, let's talk some more about that. Let's do something else. Let's see that. Because that's God's will in our life, to witness. And I need to hurry up because I, I just took way too much time there. So there are many times where I did not know what to do, and I felt God wanted me to do something, and I listened to him, and I did it, and I was better off because I did it. There were other times I didn't do what God wanted me to, and it turned out bad. He still brought me through. He's a good God, but I was beat up and bruised a little bit for it. I tried it on my own. I said, my will be done. I want to do this. I want to move there. I want to participate in this I want to do that so the big question for us here today is God control in control of your life and I'm going to give you a little secret only you can answer that oh there are truths that will always remain like God has called us to reach this world that is a truth that is God's will for our church for our lives we are called to be witnesses we have the Holy Ghost, and he said we'll get power to be witnesses after the Holy Ghost. He gave us the Great Commission. That is God's will, to be disciples. But where does God want you to do that? Or under what circumstances or with who? 
and so on and so on. Those are the things we need to pray for God's will in our life as well. God, when I see somebody in Publix and I feel I need to talk to them, I know God will already wants me to talk to them. I know that. I don't have to go out to the car and pray for 10 minutes and come back in because I know that's what my desire is, to follow God's will. And I know, okay, I'm ready. Instant, right? Always. And if I don't feel like it, well, maybe I need to do it anyways. And then I'll, I know I'll feel better. Are you doing life without Jesus? Or are you saying, God, whatever you have, whatever it takes, I want you in control. I don't know what God's will is for you, but let me just give you a quick moment, if you don't mind. If I tell you what God's will is for me and my walk. It's, and, and, and this is, this is to keep, uh, this is just some things I wrote down. To keep living for him, to put him first in my life, to love and help my wife and my family find God's will, to continue to be faithful to this church assembly, to continue to reach out and minister to the lost, to surround myself with others that will help me to lead, help me and lead me and to mentor me. How do I know that's what God's will in my life is for? How can I just say that real quickly? Because I prayed 38 years ago after I got the Holy Ghost that that was God's will. That I, my, God's will in my life was me to do God's will, if, if that makes sense. I might be twisting that. I wanted him to have control of my life. Did it always work out that way? No. But thank God I pray like that. I want to pray like that. 38 years ago I did. And then I prayed 38, uh, 37 years ago the same thing. You know, and in between, of course. I'm just... This is just an example. Then I prayed 36 years ago, the same thing. And then 35 years ago, I prayed for a family. And I started praying for my family, that God would bless my family. And I haven't stopped praying for them. I prayed long ago that no matter where I am, that I would be faithful to God and do his will. Do I mess up? Sure. But I want to be faithful to God, no matter what. Does sometimes the world comes in? Yeah. Sometimes I have a bad attitude? Yeah. Sometimes my personality isn't what it should be? Yeah. Sometimes I just say in our house, I, the pearl came out of me. You all have that, right? The Evans came out of me. Or the lock came out of me. We got to be careful around here because there's a lot of locks. <laughs> I prayed long ago that God would use me to reach the lost, to be a servant in the kingdom, and to surround myself with people who love me and pray for me and will support me when I succeed, and when I fail. And brother and sister, I have succeeded, and I have failed. And I forgot to write this up there. I was going to have them do this, but I forgot about this. But listen to this. When I look back at my successes, I see God's will in my life. When I look back at my failures, I see my will in my life. When you look back, what do you see? I think I can honestly say I see more successes. And I'm, I'm encouraged by that because I want God to always be in control of my life. I see some failures, but I see successes. So what's God's will 
in your life, and why does God want you to let him have control instead of you doing it on your own? We've heard this story before, and it's funny, so I'm going to say it again because I, I like that. It's an old story. Remember that guy trapped on the roof during the hurricane, like Katrina or somewhere? He's up there, and he's like, God's going to deliver me. I know it. God's going to deliver me. And so a boat comes by, and the water's up to the, the soffit. Hey, jump in. Nope. God's going to deliver me. Okay, so a little bit later, a, a kid in a rubber raft comes by. He, hey, and the water's coming up, creeping up to the, the eave of, or the top of the roof. Nope, God's going to deliver me. A, a Navy helo comes over, kind of hovers, lowers a lifeguard. Hey, jump in. Nope, God's going to deliver me. And the water comes up. And a couple minutes later when he's in heaven, because that's what happened about two minutes later, he asked God, hey, God. You know, he's standing before Jesus. Why didn't you save me? He goes, what do you mean? I sent a boat, a rubber raft, and a helo. In the story, in the, 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 the theme behind that, the moral, is that sometimes we turn our will into God's will. We replace his will, which what we think is his God's will, but it's really our will. If I had one, what the gunslingers used to have notches, right? I'd have a couple notches of doing that in my life. Thank God I've repented. I'm still here. Thank God that somebody has rebuked me or, or talked to me or mentored me or guided me or lead me or a message or the Bible, especially, of course, God, I'm saying. But when we surround ourselves with people and we have a good attitude about it, that God will bring us through. And, of course, there's many times we have sought the face of God and there's a yes and no and now, which is great in the last couple of years, thanks to Brother Wood, Woodward, I believe, there's a wait. And we always knew that, but it was nice to hear that. Sometimes God says, wait. God, I want your will now. And sometimes we push him. We say, no, but he, I didn't hear the wait. I heard, I heard the no. So we're going to make it a yes. And we got to be careful with that. <clears throat> some think that, uh, that, that God's will is some sort of vague, hazy thing, a vapor that can't be grasped. But we have it every day. If you're reading the Bible, you have God's will on print. You have God's will in your life, the Holy Ghost. You have God's will at the church when you're around people. It's, it's not that. It's not. And, and, and um, they don't ever think because they think it's something so unobtainable that they'll never have a shot at it. But that's a lie from the devil. Satan wants us to be confused about God's will. Amen. He wants us to be directionless and ineffective. Don't allow Satan to tell you that God can't do something for you. God, uh, the devil might be the king of nothing, but God takes the nothing and makes it possible. It is God who has a plan for us and who's given us specific steps that who wants, uh, and he wants to see those steps in our lives matter. He wants to see our lives matter. How do we wrap our arms around this thing called God's will? And we have to understand that God speaks through circumstances. God is in, in charge. The events he allows, good or bad, are all part of God's, uh, God's blueprint 
for our success. None of this happens by chance. God gives you a free will to make your decisions, but he also knows what decisions you are going to make, which kind of blows your mind a little bit. And that's where people do get confused. God knows everything, but he's going to allow you to do it. He's going to allow you if that's what you want to do. If you allow God to take control of your life, God can direct you. He can order your steps. So you can do one of two things. Live as the world does. You know, the, the you only live once kind of motto. Life is random. You get out of it what you make out of it. I can't help the way I am. Or you can embrace your life and your right in your life right now as God's will. When you completely surrender and allow only him to work, that is God's will in your life. God also speaks through opportunities. Remember the guy in the boat? Do we have our ear open and listening to him? Don't let yourself get into that situation where you have an ideal on how God is going to do it. And nothing will move you from that. There's a difference between praying, God, I want this in my life. I want to be a missionary to, you know, Antarctica or, or a missionary to Iceland or, or something like that. And then you start getting impressed to go somewhere else. Nope, nope, I'm only going here. Nope, God, that's where I want. That is imposing your will. That is telling God what you want to do and not listening to him. What, and, and that's a broad uh, uh, analogy, but to do that. But God is better than you. Here's an example. I needed an electrical outlet in my garage. Some of you I've talked to about. 240 volts. I could have wired it. I've done it before. I've done other ones. But this one needed to be done by a professional so it could be certified. And God spoke to me and he says, you can do stuff on your own too, but I can certify it. I make sure it's done correctly. I make sure it's done professionally. Oh, you can do it. In fact, you can do it pretty good. We can do things. God gives us the ability and the talent to do things. We can do things. There's are many, there are many people in life that have been successful doing things well without God. Come on, that's a fact. You look around. People have brought wonderful inventions into this world. They have made millions and billions of dollars. They have done it without God in their lives. You can't argue with that. God might allow that, but they did that without God in control of their lives. The point is this. It's not that you can't do it. It's allowing God to take control of the situation to do it under his engineering, under his plan, under his authority, to make it certified, to make his will in your life correct, right. Why don't we stand today? There are no shortcuts. There's no questions or concerns when God does it because it's done correctly. And plus, isn't it a lot easier just to allow God to do it. Sometimes we fight with that because we do that. I just want that in my life to allow him. God's will is revealed in God's word. 
that's really basic, but it's true. Almost all of what God wants to do in your life is spelled out in his word. He might not tell you the color of your drapes, but pretty much everything else is in the Bible. And here's a new newsflash. God will not lead you to do something that contradicts his word. Ask yourself these questions. How much of God's revealed word are you following now? Are you faithfully seeking him on a daily basis through Bible reading, study, and prayer? Are you active in ministry at a Bible-believing church? I think you are this morning. Are you sharing your faith? Are you doing your best to live apart from sin? Are you seeking Christ instead of the world? We are not perfect, but we serve a perfect God. Our desire should be living for him, seeking him, and doing our best to obey his commandments. And one last scripture, Sister Sarah, Micah 6, 8. 6, 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Amen. Why don't we worship him? Thank you, sisters.